There's the really angry policewoman. Yeah. There is the World Health Organization. And there's mm-hmm. this other dude that we've referred to as the brown man. Not, yeah, sure. not Dan, not Dan, <laughs> Dan Brown. Let's just call him Bouchard. I think, I think the ironically calling him the brown man is going to backfire now. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 429 with a review of Inferno. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, the third installment in the Dan Brown series. Oh, yeah. This is Inferno. Um... Yeah, so uh, are you excited to get into this puzzle-solving extravaganza? Oh, I'm excited. I I can't wait. Especially, so so yesterday, uh, leading up to watching this, I realized I had never seen Angels and Demons. And in fact, I realized I'd never seen the original Da Vinci Code. Or if I did, it was like on TV and I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. So I almost watched all three movies yesterday. <laughs> but the original Da Vinci Code is like three hours long and I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I figured, look, when I was younger, I read the Da Vinci Code, the original book. I can cross that one off the list, go straight to Angels and Demons. And six hours later, my brain is completely frazzled. Did, did you also QC the one book that we used to have at the office about the Da Vinci Code? I think I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember that. Good time. Was that book all about how Jesus didn't have a wife? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, but uh, yes. So, see, but sorry, you you, you didn't rewatch. Re- re-watch. <laughs> I, di- I didn't rewatch the first one. <laughs> I rewatched the second, <laughs> and then watched the third in the theaters. Oh man, this is what happens when we record multiple episodes in a row on a, on a, <laughs> on a Sunday m- morning. <laughs> Yeah, um, three p.m. in the morning, baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know, you know, I'm, I'm just so frazzled after watching the world almost get consumed by an inferno. That uh, I mean, I, it, it maybe it did get consumed. I don't want to spoil the movie for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan, Dan Brown uh, connects with Timothy LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins in the Left Behind series. <laughs> oh, this is Jesus. the end of the world. <laughs> Uh, all the best books your grandma reads. Yeah. Uh, all, all the things that you can read in, a, in an airport while you're waiting for your flight to arrive. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're here to talk about this movie, Inferno. Um, you know, I mean, it's so relevant these days with the overpopulation that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, what, what, what do you say? What do you, I, I don't know where I'm going because I'm delirious because I have this amnesia from being shot mm-hmm. in the head i think i can't really remember um what do you say we get into this episode let's do it <laughs> all right we're gonna play the trailer for inferno and then come back and give you guys a review it appears you're out of options tell me about the threat known as inferno <laughs> Professor Langdon, 
We need your help. Three days ago, a man killed himself. We think he was part of something much bigger. There was a package in his pocket. And what was it? Dante's Inferno. Dante defined our modern conception of hell 700 years ago. But these circles of hell have been rearranged. Why Dante? Why this map of hell? Dante. Dante's death mask. Yes. We've got to get to Florence. I need access to the Dante mask. The Dante mask is no longer here. It was stolen. Here's the security footage. Professor, that looks like you. No memory of taking that mask. You did. I just saw you. I want to know what I'm involved with. Why was someone shooting at you? Everything is out of focus. Professor, you are having visions, aren't you? The people behind this would do anything to protect the truth. You have no idea what they're capable of. This is what I have been seeing. Look, look, look. This is not in the original painting. Here's another one. Prophecy. Oh, my God. Dante's Inferno isn't fiction. It's a prophecy. Someone created a plague. Our population is spiraling out of control. Inferno is the cure. They're going to wipe out half the world's population unless we find this virus. They left a trail. You won't be able to trust your own thoughts for a while. Human lives are at stake. If a plague exists, you know what governments will do to get it. Professor has become a liability. Go, go, let's get it. There's always a way out. It's nice to have you back, Professor. If this plague is real. And we only have 48 hours to stop an extinction-level event. I will do everything I can to find it. All right. So that was the trailer for Inferno. As we mentioned, this is a film based off the third book in the series of the Stan Brown story about Robert Langdon, some guy who like knows histories and junk and likes to solve puzzles. Uh, in this story, there is a madman who uh, feels that, you know, in just like X number more years, the population will be so crazy on the planet that, uh, you know, it's just going to eat itself and there will be a mass extinction. Um and uh, his master plan to prevent mass extinction is to cause half extinction um, by creating a virus known as Inferno. And uh, mm-hmm. Dan Brown, not Dan Brown, <laughs> Robert Langdon wakes up <laughs> in a hospital. He has clues, discovers that this virus may be released and has to go like trouncing around Europe trying to stop the virus from being released. Stephen. How into this film are you? <laughs> oh, I'm deep. I'm deep in it. I, I've got like, I've got pictures with string. Things are all connecting. Irfan Khan was a tiger in the life of Pi. Shere Khan is the tiger in the Jungle Book, played by Idris Elba, who's Stringer Bell in The Wire, Diving Bell in The Butterfly, The Butterfly Effect, Ashton Kutcher, Steve Jobs, Apple, Eve ate the apple, Eve from Wally. Wally by Disney, Rogue One, Felicity Jones is involved somehow. <laughs> I, I don't know where to go from here, but, it, but it's all starting to fit together. <laughs> I, I think you've cracked the case. <laughs> um, my, br- my brain is so empty from watching these movies. Uh, 
I think what what I forgot is how much worse these are than the National Treasure movies. <laughs> no, I, like um, I, I was not joking with you when I told you chase it with the National Treasure movies because, first of all, the first National Treasure is like legitimately. I want to say good, but it's been a while since I watched it. Um, the second one is like a weaker version of the first, but those films are doing something interesting, and this film, these films are not. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the fundamental problem is, and I don't know if I'm criticizing the movies or the books or all of the above. Like I, I read The Da Vinci Code when I was fairly young. It was like 2003 or something. Uh, and like I, I liked it fine back then as a, a ninth grader or whatever I was. Uh, but the fundamental problem is there. He's trying to make a set of puzzles to follow that everyone in the audience can follow, and yet the the guy in charge at the helm, uh, Doctor Robert Langdon, is a super genius who has to piece it together out loud along with you, and. And that weird blend of having to sound smart and actually be f***ing stupid is like <laughs> is at the heart of the series. Like you you see it over and over again. They have they have things where characters have exposition out loud, where they'll be like, "Oh, I'm I'm the premier the premier art historian, but can you tell me again who Dante is and what a death mask is and what did he write about?" It it just has this weird. Well, I mean, in all fairness, weird, he did have amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he just forgot. Yeah, so to, so to this film's credit, it is the first one that at least ostensibly tries to give a reason for why this, quote, brilliant person needs to have everything explained to him out loud all the time. Yeah. Um, and then they ruined that it, too with the line, you remember that, but you don't remember the word for coffee? <laughs> <laughs> it was weird how that 1920s radio <laughs> broadcaster showed up. <laughs> You remember that? I don't remember coffee, yeah? <laughs> I do. As I was saying it, I kind of was like trying to back away from that voice, but <laughs> that was actually a Felicity Jones impression. <laughs> Spot on. Spot on. Um, but it, it just gets so tiresome. Like I, For all its flaws, the original Da Vinci Code, because it was the first, it did, the book came out before the first National Treasure came out. So it might have been the first major thing in pop culture to take places and artifacts that people are aware of and try to imbibe it with some hidden mystery, right? <clears throat> and and it's clear why that works sitting in an airport bookstore waiting for your plane to take off, right? There, there's something to read every 10 minutes where a new clue will emerge and Robert Langdon will get to visit all these famous places you've heard about before, and you know it can it can sustain enjoyment for for maybe an hour or two, but in movie form, these are just so boring i like I yeah. don't know how to stress how horribly boring it is to watch these people piece together a puzzle that you don't care about that you couldn't possibly know the answer to that the art the architect of the puzzle would never have created, and it i don't know the I find these movies just completely tiresome, and th this is no exception. <laughs> this movie was a completely joyless ride for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably safe to assume that we've had more joy so far while recording this episode than we did from any bit of all three movies in this series. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> but, but I think for me, like, you know, 
I remember people talking about The Da Vinci Code when it came out, like the book. And then when the movie was coming out, people were like super excited because the book's so good. Um, and it was kind of funny to me because I, I, regardless of what order they came out in, I had seen, I feel like I had seen National Treasure before I had seen The Da Vinci Code. Um, oh, oh, the movie came out before The Da Vinci Code movie. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I remember seeing National Treasure, and I liked it a lot because I'm totally on board with like um, taking like what what excites me is when you take things that are out there in the world and you come up with significance for what those things mean, and that there are all these puzzles. Like instead of like a person creating a series of puzzles and leaving them in the world, that's different than like these. And I triggered Siri on my phone. Thanks, Siri. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, and I just triggered it on all of your phones, too. Uh, Did no, you like, want to commit genocide on half the population? <laughs> it's That's like, my no, Siri. I do it's not want to release be- Inferno. <laughs> my Siri is only slightly better than your Felicity Jones, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, yeah. So, so those, the narrative in that is more fun because it's like, it, it's, it's, people are looking for a historic treasure that's hidden, right? It's not a... It's not like a person who created a weird narrative, like a character who created a weird puzzle based on some history that is really just hiding no- nothing, right? Like in, in Inferno, there is no connect, like there is no actual connection to Dante other than the person who made the virus likes Dante, likes Dante's mm-hmm. depiction of hell and wants to create that on the planet, right? There, yeah. that's, that's the whole connection. And that from a basic standpoint of like why is it does this puzzle exist is is sort of silly right like this has you could just this is almost like a a reaction to the other films right like what if we took this character and gave him a regular mystery that doesn't relate to history (laughs) and it's just like a, a separate puzzle that he has to figure out that's the kind of story this is and like like one of my favorite game series is the uncharted series right and in that story it's like a character who thinks he's descended from Sir Francis Drake, and he goes on an adventure to try to uncover the lost city of El Dorado. Right? That's, that's, like, that's the first the first game, and this is a a person who is a treasure hunter, and he's deciphering mm-hmm. puzzles that were left by the people back in time who who amassed this great wealth of treasure. And hit it, but literally chose to leave a map to find it, right? That's what these stories are. And it's great to see a person it, – it's just an explorer who is solving things like that. That's why Tintin was a great movie um, because it was basically like Uncharted the movie, which they're still trying to make. And it just got a new director attached to it, but it probably still won't ever get made. But like those stories are fun because it's an adventure film. These are like these mysteries that – don't pan out into anything really interesting. Like, I mean, to this film's credit, it sort of reduces it down and just says like, oh no, this isn't a mystery. This is like an episode of 24, but instead of Jack Bauer, we have Robert Langdon. Um, yeah. And instead of like hacking emails and like using satellite surveillance, we're just solving this Dante puzzle that some dude left for his followers. <laughs> and it's like, it's weird that like, they could have like, it. it's like, this this character doesn't belong in this movie, right? He he's the right. person who showed. This is like the spinoff movie where he's brought brought in halfway through to decipher one clue, and then Jack Bauer goes off and tries to save the world. But instead, mm-hmm. the whole film 
is this really like insanely convoluted plot that is so unnecessary like but that's angels and demons too in in angels and demons he he's brought in to decipher a clue that like anybody could decipher he literally uses none of his art history knowledge for it yeah um and then for some reason that means he's the one who is running around trying to like stop bad guys from murdering people it's just a completely absurd setup for a movie yeah and i mean in in all fairness in this film he is less trying to solve the case like like part of the reason he's running around is because he thinks somebody's trying to kill him <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so he like it's not like he was like oh yeah let's go do all these things like no people are trying to kill me and also kill everyone else so i can't just pass this off to somebody else because the person i'm passing it off to might be trying to kill me mm-hmm. so like you you kind of buy into why he would want to help i mean it makes zero sense why felicity jones would want to help him other than the reasons she does but like yeah. <laughs> spoiler it's like, there are reasons <laughs> it's just, it just like it just there, there's so much unnecessarily like unnecessarily convoluted stuff in this film that it's like like no you have a straightforward plot for the first time ever but rather than just take that straightforward plot to its conclusion you have to add in all this stuff to try to mix it up because you think you're being clever and maybe in book form when like by chapter to chapter like i imagine that in these books like every chapter ends with the cliffhanger and you're like oh shit i got to turn the page cuz this is rad um mm-hmm. but in the film like it's it's just like hey this guy left a path to this thing that's going to kill half the planet should we like follow that and hope that he doesn't like if if the character had not committed suicide at the beginning of the film there would no one would have knowledge of the path and he would have just released the virus and killed half the planet right the only reason this film even exists narratively is because the character got somehow thwarted and somebody else is now trying to carry on what he tried to do and i think i mean we 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 can criticize that but like there clearly could be plenty of very fun action adventure movies with thinner premises than that right yeah. where it's just by the luck of the draw that uh the person left a ticking bomb that we get to hunt down instead of you know the person just doing the thing yeah. uh, and here, here's the thing too is sorry sorry keep keep going if you were I, I was just gonna say that's fine that's like every superhero villain ever yeah but yeah. you you need to give us some superhero fun to go along with it yeah no i, I what i would love is you you could take the same basic plot of this film right Everything everything is the same. But what you do is the main character literally is like a Joker type person. And he's been caught. Mm-hmm. He's been thwarted. But the device is still live somewhere in the world. And he is giving clues to where it is. And, you know, since we can't like waterboard people anymore, um, he's basically just giving clues. Obama. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. We'll be, we'll be waterboarding plenty of people when Trump, Trump wins. <laughs> Um, but anyways, uh, sad joke. Um, yeah, the, the joke in the Ron last Howard episode. First among them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyways, but basically, we have the guy in custody. We've technically stopped him, but it's still going to go off. And he is giving clues. And the only person that could solve them is I, Robert Langdon. I, I almost forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> professor Robert Langdon. Professor. Is he still a professor? Is he an active professor? 
I don't know. I mean, he does this stuff. <laughs> I think he's still a professor. He's at Harvard, don't you know? The, how, how do these films not have a scene where someone goes, thanks, professor? And he's like, well, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just feel like if there was something where like, we have something, he's like, you'll never solve my puzzle. And then he's like, what? Dante, Dante's death mask. Yes. Then we could actually, I don't know. That just seems more interesting than making all the back and forth and all the confusion and like, I have amnesia. Um, it just, I just don't know why this film is so hell bent on uh, making it this mystery when it's really like they could have probably just done better with a straightforward narrative where a character was divvying out these clues. Right. I mean, they it it would have been Mission Impossible Five, basically. That would be fine. <laughs> like, just give us one of those movies instead, where you're following this trail going from place to place, shooting on location, but you don't need to pretend that it's some amazing art-related mystery. Yeah. Because in, in a two-hour movie, you just can't sustain that. Like, the mystery always comes roughly 10 seconds before the answer comes. So there's none of the joy of actually being curious about anything. Yeah. Except for curious think- why we're watching the movie. Yeah, curious why again? <laughs> why did I spend six hours today watching Da Vinci Code movies? <laughs> so one thing that kind of annoyed me is uh, I've I, I should be the prime demographic for these movies because I've like been to all of these places fairly recently. Like, I've been to Florence, I've been to Vatican City, I've been to Istanbul. Spoiler, Istanbul is in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, it, it, they're very clearly filmed on location. And the reason the books work, partly, is because you get that kind of, like, the mystery hiding in plain sight thing. In a weird way, it's almost like what Pixar does, right? Where there's a world just beneath our noses that we haven't noticed before. Yeah. Um, and that that is the joy of this is you get to see things that are set in real world locations where you walked on that walking tour one time and but just imagine over in the corner if you dusted off the brick you would find out some amazing thing is hidden there so at the very least there should be a sort of whoa awesome joy when when you're in these places on the big screen and you see this magical world unfolding but it it fumbles them completely i mean if you've been to any of these places you would know that every single thing they mention and the new place they go to is like the number one thing on TripAdvisor in that location <laughs> it's like not even remotely deep it's like but i'm in, i'm in the number one museum in florence where could the thing be hidden what about the number one building in florence <laughs> oh but then in <laughs> Oh my god! In, in, in spoiler, I have more specific rants. They, basically, I would at least have thought that Dan Brown would dig in and make something like little Easter eggs that would be interesting to people who maybe are more familiar with these places and th- these works of art. But he did the opposite. It's like he just browsed Wikipedia and was like, "Okay, that's a place. That's a place. That's a place. I'm done. I got three places." <laughs> we haven't even. I mean, we haven't read the book, so for all we know. In the book version, there are more deep cuts, but for filming, they couldn't sure. actually get those locations, so they kind That's of true. chose something that is roughly close to yeah. being at least in the same place. 
Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'm going to use Dan Brown as a stand-in for uh, for Ron Howard and David Cope, uh, the guy who wrote the screenplay. But some combination of people who made these movies, like, I don't know. Almost anything, when it's set in a place that I know, I get some thrill from that. Like, movies set in San Francisco, I tend to give them a bump up just because I, I love seeing them walk around locations that I'm familiar with. Like, that's yeah, why San yeah. Andreas was so much fun. Um, <laughs> but this, this just falters falters that completely because there's there's no joy there's no there's no joy in watching the characters discover a thing. There's no moment to pause and be curious before a thing is revealed. It's just run 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 run, and it, I don't know. I'm I'm just tired. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Or not an, not old enough, if my audience is any indication. Yeah, that that's how I was too. Like there was just a ton of old people. Had to be a combination of of Dan Brown and Tom Hanks, right? That's what I assume oh, yeah. is. Ron Howard probably draws a few people too. Yeah, but I feel like older people they're just happy that or that they're just sad that the movies are talkies. You know, like they're probably hey, not Opie, paying attention. Opie's to Opie's making movies now. <laughs> Opie Opie from the Andy Griffith Show, isn't that cute? <laughs> Um, there was something I wanted to bring up, but it, it, you know, this damn amnesia, I, I can't, can't get it out of my head. <laughs> Is uh, it brown? Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> Do no, you that, drink it in the morning? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it, it so was, like, it was actually related to amnesia. So... <clears throat> One of the recurring things in this film is that uh, he keeps having these uh, visions, right? And they're visions mm-hmm. of like sort of Dante's depiction of hell. Um, yeah. uh, Dante conceived the modern blah, 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 blah. And stayed with us ever since. Dante, yeah. death mask. <laughs> um, so he's having these visions, right? Which cut, yeah. like, this is the first of all three that has zero religious significance to the actual events that are taking place. Right. Like the other ones all have things to do with like the lineage of Christ or like the Pope and like all this stuff. There's like, there's religious reasons for things to be happening. Or or at least ostensibly they do. Uh, I don't, I don't want to spoil other movies, but at least one of the other movies by the end, you realize it's all just a con and it isn't actually (laughs) anything meaningful. Well, but yeah. It, but but either way, if you if you look at the elevator pitch for the basic premise of all all three films, this is the one that has no religious significance other than the imagery that a, a mass murdering person has come up with to signify something. So mm-hmm. he's having these visions, which seem supernatural, but they're explained away by the fact that he has head trauma. Yeah. So so let that's fine. Okay. So. It's not supernatural, it's just head trauma. But even taking it as just head trauma, if he's having these visions, it means he got far enough in cracking the case that he has the visual representation of everything already done with, right? So technically, he's already solved this mystery before the beginning of the movie, right? That's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it... it, it, Much like Angels and Demons, uh, the... I would say maybe the second plot twist, because there's a few. There have to be. It's a Dan Brown, Dan Brown movie. Um, the second plot twist completely takes away the believability of the premise of the movie. Yeah. Uh, like I, and and I won't. We don't even have to give away the uh, the like heavy twist 
in in this one. But basically, even just assuming head trauma, A, they don't do anything with the visions. I would have thought at least this would be like, did you ever see that episode of House House's Head? Uh, Is when... that the one where he's trying to remember what happened on the bus? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Like, th- this could have been that episode, at least, right? Where he's piecing together from his memory, and he has to kind of interpret things through this stylistic lens of Dante to get at the truth that led to that image. And, you know, that would be hokey, but at least it would... It's the one conceivable place where a person would be using these archaic art history clues would be if it's his own brain, because his brain is, like, filled with archaic art history. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it... A, it doesn't. It doesn't use those visions for anything. And B, due to various twists in the film, it makes absolutely no sense why he's having these visions at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he is seeing things that relate to a, a video, among other things, that he has never seen before. <laughs> it it, it, well, it, it but, makes but, no sense. But in all fairness, the video is made to reference the imagery of Dante as well. So... Mm-hmm. He he's simp- he's he hasn't seen the video, but he is building from the same source material that the video was created off of. Yeah, so it's all part and parcel of the whole Inferno game. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Because the I don't know, we can we can get into it in spoilers. <laughs> the one payoff in terms of like a place uncannily matching an image in the film makes no sense if he has not seen the the video MacGuffin that this whole thing is about. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Which is annoying. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, well, there are a few things we did want to talk about in spoilers, so should we just get to verdicts for the film and then sure. uh, wrap things up and then go into spoilers? You've already yeah. said sure, but <laughs> I was not <laughs> done with my sentence, sir. Um Okay, so Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, a reckon with a caveat, a wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, Esse vitet, which apparently is Latin for must-avoid. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I will say, I think this is substantially better than Angels and Demons. Like, this movie did not make me actively angry every five minutes. Maybe it's just because it was the big screen, right? It was nighttime. I had a... I had a cup of tea. I had just taken Dayquil, so I felt kind of nice. Um, and this was the shortest of the series. So to me, this was just your run-of-the-mill, completely unnecessary, shitty thriller movie. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Angels and Demons made me actively angry all the time. <laughs> so I almost want to bump it up to a pass with a caveat, just because the caveat is you won't want to kill yourself, but that's a low bar. So I'll just go must avoid. <laughs> good times well uh so when you watch angels and demons and you decide that you do want to kill yourself uh do you do it from the top of a high tower in the middle of venice i actually do it on air on air in the 70s (laughs) yeah first first you gotta you gotta break open dante's death mask and in there there is one thing of plutonium which you shove into your car you drive 88 Mm -hmm. miles an hour and then you're back in the 70s and then you can shoot yourself. Mm-hmm. Good times. Well, I am going to give this film a must avoid because why? <laughs> the only reason you should see this film is if you have a podcast and you're going to talk about it. 
Yeah. And even then, arguably, <laughs> you shouldn't waste your time. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're if you're a big fan of all the books and you have liked the previous two films, then you're probably going to like this one too. I don't see why it would uh, let you down in any of that. But um, yeah, I, I, it's not. It's just not worth seeing. Mm-hmm. So that being said, the main part of the review is over. So Stephen and I will close out. We'll let you know where you can find us and all that jazz. And for the rest of you, if you want to hear our thoughts on some of the more spoilery stuff, um, please stick with us. So, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, if you want to contact us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Um, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Inferno, so hopefully you're enjoying that. But uh, yeah, music has already faded up. We are going to disappear and try to solve some clues, and then when the music fades back out, we will be in full-blown spoilers. So if you're sticking with us, you have been warned! Alright, so we are back. This is spoiler territory. Full-blown spoilers for Inferno. So if you haven't seen this film, then uh, you are in the danger zone right now. Robert Langdon's going to be solving <laughs> the shit out of your brain oh, right man. now. <laughs> he's going to solve so hard. That's why he's at Harvard. <laughs> that's, that's why what? That's why he's at Harvard. Oh, gotcha. And not you and me. Yeah. <laughs> well... Steven, let's get into this. So, do you want to sort of just walk us through each of the twists in this film? Yeah, sure. Let's see. I mean, uh, the first twist, uh, the brown guy is bad. That <laughs> seems to be <laughs> just the, cla- the classic uh, dad rock movie twist. <laughs> wait, wait. Which brown uh, guy? Uh, the brown, brown guy. <laughs> brown, Goddamn. brown Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, so there's a... Uh, I'm I'm forgetting the the actor's name now. Um, there's the the agent from the World Health Organization, which apparently that organization is a sexy, crazy spy organization where but, people have guns and stuff. But hold on. So here's the here's the thing that I was gonna, like his character is supposedly with every. Like, I don't get who he's really with because he's betrayed both the World Health World World Health Organization and seemingly. <laughs> The Life of Pi Guys organization, too, which is not yeah. the World Health Organization. Sure, it's yeah, a I, private security firm run by Richard Parker. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is the other brown guy I mentioned. I, I should say, I don't actually think the movie is trying to be racist, but it is falling into this weird, weird thing where the white people who want to commit genocide were supposed to feel sorry for, and the other people <laughs> who have much more, quote, forgivable sins, who are dark. Uh, when they die, nobody gives a f- <laughs> and that then that's kind of it's kind of strange. <laughs> but, but that's but, the but thing. Yeah, so 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 okay, go, just just you you keep telling me things, and then I will try to figure out why I'm confused. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Uh, twist. Well, uh, twist number one 
at the beginning, we believe this Agent Bouchard, uh, Omar Sy is the actor, uh, is probably bad because he's on the phone and he's, you know, he's clearly not with the rest of the World Health Organization. Uh, and we believe him to be bad, but then twist, it looks like he's good. It looks like he's a nice guy. Well, so, and so he's actually going to help them. Hold on. So before that moment, there are mm -hmm. theoretically three groups of people looking for Robert Langdon. There's the really angry policewoman. Yeah. There is the World Health Organization. And mm -hmm. there's this other dude that we've referred to as the brown man. Not, yeah, sure. not Dan, not Dan, <laughs> Dan Brown. <laughs> Let's just call him Bouchard. I think I think me ironically calling him the brown man is going to backfire now. <laughs> yeah. I'm on his side. <laughs> okay. Um, Agent Bouchard is the third, uh, the third Agent, character. Agent Bouchard. Yeah. Yeah. So theoretically, there's three people chasing. We don't really know why. We don't know shit. No. We are At some point, metaphorically... Robert Langdon, we have Amnesia, we can't remember the last two films, we have no idea how we got where we are, there's just three people trying to chase us. At, at, at some point, now let's step through first the most stupid moment in the movie, uh, when they go in the museum looking for the death mask, they walk in to watch a video of Robert Langdon stealing the death mask. I have no memory of that moment. And then everybody is just like, oh, we got other stuff to deal with. <laughs> we'll get back to you later. And they just leave him alone to escape. Um, but then they go to Il Domo, like by far the most famous thing in Florence, and find the mask. And that's where Agent Bouchard catches That sounds up like the them. name of a, of a street artist, Il Domo. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Il with two L's. <laughs> ill from the dome it's the illest raps coming off the dome uh anyway <laughs> agent bouchard meets them we think he's gonna shoot them right because he's the he's the bad he's the bad guy clearly yeah but then he's not uh robert langdon i'm here to help and he, and he goes to help him <laughs> so they go because it turns out uh, the woman who I guess is his ex-wife. I don't think other movies have mentioned her before. I don't think they I ever think married. The I think they just uh, liked each other. <laughs> yeah, sure. He couldn't and solve thinks... that puzzle, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the one puzzle Tom Hanks couldn't crack was women. That's why he should have gotten Mel Gibson to help. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> he knows what women want. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway. So, but then... Tom Hanks realizes on the train, actually, uh, the woman was good. Agent Bouchard must be lying to me. We have to escape him. So then so they let, attack. Let's stop, so let's stop like there the for a second. second. Let's stop there uh -huh. for a second. So he remembers because she showed up and then he woke up in a hospital that clearly, simply because Agent Bouchard said, I'm the one who invited you to Rome or whatever. <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. simply because he said that, he's like, oh, well, clearly this man's evil because in my fever dream, I remember my ex-girlfriend my ex <laughs> saying, hey, why don't you come hang out with me? Like, yeah. that's enough for him to smack a dude in the head with a fire extinguisher and ditch him on a train. Yeah, exactly. So that's already absurd how, how quickly he is certain. So, okay, that's twist number two. The guy actually is evil. Lols, we tricked you. Um, 
third twist, the biggest twist, I would say, is uh, Sienna is actually evil, too. Sienna, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Sienna has been dating uh, Ben Foster. She believes in his evil mission, and she leaves Robert Langdon in Venice once he gives her the missing piece of the clue, where even though she is a premier genius at 11 years old, she went to Imperial College of London, blah, blah, blah. She could not possibly figure out that <laughs> this horse had been in Istanbul before. Only a genius like Robert Langdon could ask the tour guide that. <laughs> so. But, so here's the question. is: Did she ever have the flashlight thingy? Because without that, she couldn't even gotten that far, right? No, no, no. So ostensibly did she they... put the flashlight in his stuff when he was in the pretend hospital? Yeah, yeah. So... But that doesn't make I, sense. Why would they hire her as the pretend? No, no, no. So, so the World Health Organization got the flashlight from uh, Ben Foster, presumably. They brought it to Tom Hanks. They want Tom Hanks to solve it with this flashlight. Yeah. So what, what I'm Felicity what I'm, Jones what... hires Irfan Khan to get Tom Hanks and the flashlight because only his thumbprint can open it. And clearly... While he's passed out, they can't just use his thumbprint, right? <laughs> they need him to be awake so his thumb works like a thumb. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But so well, here's whatever the question the is, if he, if Ben Foster was not willing to share with Felicity Jones what his actual plan mm -hmm. is, do you think he would have told her about the con dude's um, organization at all? Like, is that part of the puzzle? Like, by the way, I've been hiring this pe these people to hide all my shit this whole time. I don't know. P presumably she knew about them already. Because she knew to contact them right away. So did she actually contact them right away? I think so. So Irfan Khan, who he was bad, but now it turns out he's only kind of bad, right? That's like a mini twist. <laughs> well he's bad but he, he didn't know what the plan was he was just doing his job yeah i mean he's fine with killing people you know but <laughs> not that many people uh so he first they came for inferno but that i did nothing <laughs> <laughs> so he uh is telling agent uh sinsky or whatever the truth which is that felicity jones came to him the day after Ben Foster died, saying, I need you to help me get Robert Langdon to help me solve this because I'm a genius and I basically did all the solving, not him, but I need him because I refuse to thumb rape him. Like he needs to willingly put his thumb <laughs> <laughs> on this thing <laughs> in order for it to open and then I'll solve it out loud with him, have him help me get all the missing pieces, and then I'll leave him stranded somewhere. She knew from the beginning this is what she's going to do. Then Irfan Khan turns on her, so that's like a mini twist, because he wants to kill Robert Langdon now. And when she realizes he wants to kill Robert Langdon, then she turns on his organization and wants to kill the policewoman. See, I didn't even... Is this all making sense? No, because, because what happened is... <laughs> Khan 
had decided gone. He had decided that like, oh shit, everything's gone south. We need to just clean it up. Like mm-hmm. we failed the mission. Let's just clean it up because that's what he does. He's a contract killer guy. Call him George Clooney. Um. So, because <laughs> I'm, I'm lost. Now. Michael, Michael Clayton or whatever. Oh, called. anyway. Yeah. Didn't see that. Anyways, so the whole plan, like, he didn't want to kill Robert Langdon because he wanted to. He just had to dispose of the evidence. And he, like, basically the, their whole plan went south. So the only way to, since they already convinced him that he was, like, people already think people are trying to kill him. So by killing him, it just ties it up in a bow like he was killed. Mm-hmm. I didn't think there yeah. was any sort of, like, it was anything other than that. So I don't think there was ever a point where Felicity Jones wanted to kill Khan she just wanted to release the virus. No, sure. She wanted to release the virus, but I think before they were fake running away from the police officer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it was squibs, it was fake. She wasn't actually trying to kill them. And Felicity Jones was an accomplice in that to try to get Tom Hanks to trust her. Yeah, but I then, think she eventually realized when pillars were exploding with bullets that it was real. And that's right. when she yeah. reacted in actual self-defense. Sure, yeah. I, I think yeah, she but just I don't think she's afraid that, that she is going to die. But anyway, yeah. Not, not a big deal in the, in the context of the movie. But basically, everybody's double-crossing everybody. Shit is getting real. Um, so, Sienna has now left Robert Langdon uh, slash Richard Parker. <laughs> Those <laughs> names are so similar to me now. Um, <laughs> She left him. Then Agent Bouchard shows up. And so at this point, you kind of want to think, oh, well, I guess maybe he's good, right? She pulled a con, con <laughs> over, <laughs> over his eyes. <laughs> but no, Agent Bouchard is also bad. He's just working for some, some other third party. Probably an African dictator. I think we can assume that from, yeah, he, from he's Dan a, Brown. He's an actual mercenary for hire who wants to sell yeah. the drugs. He is literally the person we thought he was the first time. And he also has a philosophy of like, everybody dies, Richard Parker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is not the genocide one. <laughs> okay, so, so here, here, here's the... Okay, for, let, let's back everything up. Let's back everything up. Let's just put everything, all this craziness on hold. The master plan is that this virus inferno will kill exactly half the population of the planet Mm -hmm. but it's constantly said as soon as we release this virus within 48 hours a hundred percent of the world's population will be infected yeah so apparently it's like a coin flip virus where half people survive and half don't yes in what in what universe does that make sense he is a biotech person but you know biotech people can do this but that's the thing it's like all they need is one scene where they're like, well, it turns out this will only kill people who don't have this food in their whatever. And then, like, <laughs> then it becomes some racist thing where they're killing certain countries, but not like, they're, they're, yeah. there's, they're, what are they also going to release a cure and something? Like, you can't control, like, it, it would also be a different. Apparently, they just know. They just know. Yeah. Maybe they're... there's like a latent gene, a recessive gene that half the population has that would make them immune to Inferno. But, like, even. The master plan could have been, hey, this will literally kill every population on the planet with an airport and mm-hmm. only like indigenous groups of people who are free from like traveling because maybe it'll kill yeah. everybody within 24 hours. So mm-hmm. literally everything with a connecting thing will die. 
and then all that will be left with the, will be the people who didn't care about the technology in the cities because they were off. That'll their be own. how it how it uh, links in with Aloha to become the world's <laughs> worst movie. <laughs> no, but seriously, like all you need is the villain to say that, and then I go like, okay, that's forgivable. But the idea that like literally everybody will be infected including the people who are setting off the virus, right? There was no expectation mm-hmm. like, oh, we... Like, it'd be one thing if it was like some plan like um, in Kingsman where the bad mm-hmm. guy was like putting all these... I knew you were going to say Kingsman. <laughs> <laughs> but like, think about that. Like, like th- there, there's no arc for the smart people in the world, right? Like, it's just the mm-hmm. thing where he's like, no, we're just going to kill half the people. It's like, I'm just going to put on this infinity gauntlet and half the mutants in the world are going to die. Um, yeah. But... It's no, there's no reasonable expectation that it would only kill half the planet. Right, sure. They never explain it. I, I assumed there was a scene that they cut where he describes this very specific virus they developed that has a tunable sort of coin flip where for some percentage of people it will be fine and for another percentage it will kill them. But you could do that. You could say statistically there is this gene in DNA that does nothing. And 50% Mm -hmm. of the world's population statistically has this gene. It's a dormant gene that does nothing. Our virus targets only people with that gene. And then I go like, okay, that's stupid, but at least you explain that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they had that and they cut it or they just never had it. Yeah. The point is he's a genius and his genius paired up with Felicity Jones' genius. genius. He can do it. Gene Gene Gray survives anything. The gene makes you survive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Also, I mean, another big plot hole, of course, is did they only develop this once? Why would they not like have a backup supply somewhere? If they wanted to launch this, they could launch it anytime. They don't need to imbibe it with religious meaning, right? Nobody cares about this grave religious sacrament he's doing. He's no, just a no, scientist. No, no, no. But remember the quote he gives in the one scene when they're laying in bed and it's all about like love. He's like, that's not love, that's beauty. The whole thing mm-hmm. is all about beauty. Mm-hmm. Interweaving everything through this beauty. tale of Dante is yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's his love letter to her. Yeah. <sighs> but, okay. So Agent Bouchard wants to kill him because he's a bad guy doing bad stuff. We don't really care why. <laughs> He's just on his own. <laughs> Irfan Khan comes along. He kills him. Irfan Khan's like kind of a bad guy, but we kind of like him now because he killed the other bad guy. He has that sweet like coup de gras move. Oh, yeah. Which is silly <laughs> because like, so he, 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 so he punctures like his spine slash jugular so that it's less messy because it's just a tiny incision that will, like, kill him pretty quickly. But then he needs to yeah. make it look like there was a struggle, so he beats the shit out of him with a pole. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. Okay. I don't think they got him to carry, like, ancient Middle Eastern weaponry. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> a little kunai. <laughs> yeah, just a little. I heard the dagger actually turns back time, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> But okay, so now I think there are no more plot twists after this. Now they're just on a race to Istanbul. And this is just because last summer I was there. This is where I started to get just very annoyed at the quote revelations in the movie. Because so they go to Hagia Sophia, easily the number one tourist attraction in all of Istanbul. Like every everybody's grandma's walking group is going there. 
Well, that's and how they they're plan all standing on there. The virus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all standing there. The world expert, Professor Robert Langdon, the only one who could solve it. He's standing there with a group of other people, including a tour guide, and he's like, "Is there anything like, like underground and water, <laughs> like an underground water palace thing around here?" And everyone pauses. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe there's like a river underground. And then finally someone chirps in. Like, what about the second most famous tourist attraction right across the street? Uh, the underground water palace. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, oh, my God, we've got it. We've got it. Like, so wait, they, wait, wait. they run. Is the water that's underground red like blood? And does it not reflect stars no, no. because it's underground? <laughs> no, it's not red. So that's why they had to have this concert going on so they could project like red light on it oh is that where con was there to play music because it was a concert (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah so that was the one thing that like kind of the original da vinci code had a a reveal about a pyramid and the pyramid at the louvre at the end that is like supposed to be a big oh aha i got it to people who are like waiting for this meaningful this this thing that existed to be imbibed with some new meaning and this them going to the basilica cistern is supposed to be one of those where you're like whoa the river of blood it all makes sense now but except it doesn't of course because it only looks that way because of this weird concert they're putting on yeah Um, so then they get in there and then it happens again where it's like but where would it be hidden tom hanks is like i've got it the, literally the only thing inside this is the Medusa statue. <laughs> it's probably the Medusa statue. And so then they, uh, I, I don't know. It, like, it really makes me think that Dan Brown like, took a senior citizen walking tour of a city for like two hours and just was like, yep, this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the thing. I got it. We've got a movie. And then he just left and decided to film it. So because he, it... He, ugh. Here's the other thing that annoys me about that scene is, and let me preface this by stating I am not an explosives expert and I know nothing about hydrodynamics. But Mm -hmm. what we are told through exposition is that you need to place two charges at two different points because that's the only way to break this bag that holds all the shit in it, right? So -hmm. the idea that I would assume is that if you place an explosive on either side, it creates some sort of concussive blast, and the impact of the blast hitting each other would rupture the bag. Instead, one explosive is manually set off by Felicity Jones. The second explosive is apparently triggered when the wave from the first explosive hits it, which means the thing mm-hmm. that hits the bag is a single explosive wave. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just saying. It's just, in my head, I don't think that bag would explode. Also, none of it makes any sense. Also, why is the release mechanism a bag that doesn't actually release on its own? <laughs> like the, the master plan of the bad guy is not like a time release thing that just opens itself at a certain time when alarm goes off. It's a bag, and then other people. He's already stated that he can't trust his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Right? He can't have yeah. her help him. Because, like, well, what if she... I mean, she cheated on Stephen Hawking. Like, how could you trust her? <laughs> I assume your joke was Stephen Hawking's. I, yeah. Your, your audio cut out on my end. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, he doesn't trust her. But then he has all these people helping him. 
Like, it'd be one thing if he's like, I literally trust no one other than myself. I will tell nobody about this plan. That's totally fine. If that's your master plan is like, literally, nobody can possibly know about my plan because I can't trust anybody to really be willing to go through with it. But I will leave a clue for my girlfriend because if something happens to me, at least maybe there's a tiny chance that like she believed enough in what I said that she would do it. That mm-hmm. that would make sense. But the fact that she couldn't know, even though she's the only one that like we see up until that moment that wants to help. But then he has a whole crew of people helping. And their master yeah. plan is, let's go to a thing where people are. We're going to sneak in explosives and then set them off in unison to destroy this bag. Like, yeah, he, And we're going to in- trigger it with a phone call, even though it's deep underground. And I get yeah, this is like a minor point, but you don't get reception down there already. <laughs> but it, it just, to me... These are apparently geniuses on a scale that can create a virus that knows when half the world's population is dead and then just cannibalizes itself and disappears. See, but so they can't I, figure I thought, out how to do a time-released bomb. So, so again, there, there was no exposition for this. I thought the bag was on its own going to deteriorate around midnight, and this bomb thing was a fallback plan that he had made just in case anyone has to trigger the bag ripping because she can't just dive down and rip open the bag for some... I don't know. Yeah. That, so your, that your was, idea is again, that like, like, the, the chemical scene. virus itself is eating through the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, what, what they could have also done is just take another beat from Tintin where they knew a certain group was going to be playing in that orchestra and one note in the song creates a frequency that's high <laughs> enough to break the bag. <laughs> so it's all coming down to like we have to get the bag before they get to that bar in this like 24 it's hour. also weird because they're trying to imbibe this moment with a very sacred significance right it's going to happen at this time on this night but it's a silent thing the virus the whole idea is people will silently get it and go back home to their native countries and then infect everyone else with it. Well, no, I, I didn't see the, the date as being significant. I just thought the whole idea was that this is literally a thing that happens at a certain time and people come from all over the world just for this night to uh-huh. partake in this thing so that if you yeah. wanted to infect the entire world, this would be the best opportunity. So like, if it, if it failed, yeah. he'd have to wait another year to try to release the virus again. Yeah, I guess so. This is the only thing that lots of people go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the whole world. It's, it's it's the only one that for sure at least one representative from every country shows up. I d- I just don't understand anyway because in the limit of time everyone will get infected presumably if you unleash it anywhere very populated. Well, I guess it depends like on I- if it if it literally some people just apparently burst into flames, some people get boils and some people have their heads twisted backwards mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, sure. like if, if we're if we're just assuming that like this virus that's magical and only can kill half the population just does it so fast that like there's it doesn't spread anymore because the virus needs living tissue and the tissue dies and then mm-hmm. i don't know if your head is twisted backwards for more than four hours call a doctor, call a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> nice the whole thing and also this does lower the stakes substantially because by the time the World Health Organization is there, they're trying to limit it being released. But presumably they could already quarantine all the people down here. Already it is not a worldwide virus anymore. Like the the moment they knew where it was, the stakes are still high. They're the people in that room. 
but they yeah, are you're not saying that they're like napalm the, the shit out of that anymore. building. Yeah, like Felicity Jones should already give up at this point because she yeah. does not want to just murder a handful of people for no reason. She wants this virus to spread and infect the whole world. Yeah, yeah. And now, now which, that the which, World Health Organization is there, that is not going to happen anymore. <laughs> which, which, by the way, they're like this. <laughs> maybe i'm just like taking a dumb statement and making it even dumber in the context but there's the scene where (laughs) so felicity jones's plan by way of ben foster is to kill half the planet but underground Mm -hmm. when she has the bomb robert langdon is like whoa if you set that bomb off innocent people will die (laughs) like was he talking about the people in that room or did he mean also half the planet (laughs) I think he means half the planet. He's trying to talk sense into her. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it just seems because like, like clearly, if she's already decided to kill half the planet, it seems like any number. Like, what if what if he like the better way to appeal would be like, excuse me, I did the calculation, and your virus will kill seventy five percent of the planet. <laughs> you know, like she's already fine killing billions of people. Why would she possibly be persuaded by this moment? Where he's like, whoa. Don't set off that bomb because you don't want to kill people, right? <laughs> I know. He wants to reason with... And it, I hate the beats of these movies where at the end, he's like sad for her, right? She's a tragic character. But she's like the worst person <laughs> ever. Like he wasn't sad about the police officer that fell and died. He he wasn't sad about Adrian Bouchard. Whoa. Right? He's, what? What if... Bouchard's life matters too. <laughs> no, Jesus. No, no, no. What if, what if Robert Langdon is part mm-hmm. of the Empire and he knew that Felicity Jones one day would steal the plans for the Death Star? And that's <laughs> what he was trying to do. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Worked with Steven Spielberg, who worked with George Lucas, who George ruined Star Lucas Wars. made Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Remember Star Wars? <laughs> Tom Hanks, Ron Howard, American Graffiti, George Lucas. <sighs> oh, it's all connecting. It's all connecting. Yeah. Basically, these films are full of a lot of stupid people. Characters. Characters. The people are fine. The people yeah. behind the characters are all right. But the characters are... Yeah, it's just... Uh. And then the, the epilogue, <sighs> and then I think we can wrap up this hour-long review of Inferno. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what was the epilogue? So the, the epilogue of sorts... <laughs> where he, he goes back the death <laughs> He goes back to the museum where video footage has shown he stole this... <laughs> this uh invaluable piece of history right he stole it there's footage everyone knows nobody cares he's allowed to walk back in there's no security nobody watching him well no remember nobody he knows entered what through he one is. of those secret doors mhm mhm yeah and then and then he returns the death mask and then he just strolls away and nobody's ever going to care that they have footage showing him like, stealing this mask. They're just going to let it go. They're fine. They're Italian. You know Italians. So, so here's, here's, here's the thing about the death mask. 
first of all, no one in the history of having the death mask in their possession ever thought, weird, it smells like somebody recently painted this with something that I could easily just wipe off the back of it. And then on top of that, when he put it back, did he smear some more white smudge on it and hope that nobody noticed the spiral writing that somebody did in Sharpie? <laughs> I presume he wiped off the Sharpie writing and when he returned it, it no longer had the white stuff on it. The white stuff was new. The white stuff was Ben Foster. So it's also, so presumably Ben Foster broke in to the museum temporarily took the death mask into his position possession wiped the back of it off then wrote on it and then put something on top of it again mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to believe yep crazy man crazy but remember ben foster does own the death mask so he can do whatever he wants he probably oh, walked in and said right. hey guys hey guys he... turn off the cameras I'm gonna That's take right. This for a while. I f I forgot. Now it all makes sense. Yeah, because he had it. He purchased it, and then had it on display, so he could just walk in anytime. That's right. Uh, the white <sighs> stuff, by the way, my second favorite space movie, second only to Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. That was a pun on the right stuff. <laughs> Good times. I think the episode's over. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> thank you for joining me, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you <laughs> next week with a review of Doctor Strange. <laughs> Bye. Why Dante? Why this map of hell? Dante. Dante's death mask. Yes. We've got to get to Florence. 